break them. So here we are, February 12th, podcast 2.5. Isn't February 12th Abraham Lincoln's birthday? It is. Right. I don't know what how many birth, how many candles will be on his cake, but... I think I saw it on Twitter. I think he's like 207 or something. 207. So our new goal is to get to as many podcasts as Abe Lincoln has lived years and see if we can do that maybe before 208. Four weeks ago, our goal was just to beat Steve, and now we're up to 207. Listen, sometimes your goals shift. Yeah, listen, you can't live through life with stagnant goals. These things have to move. We're lucky this week uh, to have Billy Beno in the in the studio here. We seem to be moving towards communication journalism majors. Maybe it's it's a podcast thing and we lean towards experts. But Billy is at the University of Albany, uh, video coordinator, football operations assistant. Uh, worked with myself and Steve Saluzzo at training camp a couple years ago and has had a handful of classes in sport management, was a minor. Um, and so we're pumped. Billy, welcome back to Rochester. Thank you. It's uh, good to be back. He was, uh, as we were getting ready, saying that this is, you had a little bit of podcast experience, right? So, and you can tell us at the end of this whether we were up to snuff. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I'll make sure of that. All right. We'll lean you to that. Uh, so uh, last week, Dan McSweeney was in, was in the studio uh, talking about the Super Bowl, giving a little bit of overview. Pat, what was your view of the Super Bowl? Super Bowl was fun. Uh, we, the party I was at actually had, we had two TVs going. One was a 55-inch flat screen with the Super Bowl. Underneath that, for some of the other people at the party, was the Puppy Bowl going on, which I'd never seen before. Uh, I'd heard about it, but I didn't, I didn't really know much about it. And at least three or four people at the party were more uh, excited about what took place on the small TV. Who than the won the one. Puppy Bowl? I, I don't know. We I just remember us saying that next year we want to do Super Bowl squares for the Puppy Bowl in addition to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Listen, any angle to gamble, I can understand. <laughs> I can understand that, Phil. Now, Billy, you work like 400 hours a week. Were, do you get a chance to watch the Super Bowl, or are you working on the 2019 recruits at Albany? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I was able to squeeze in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. You know, I thought it was going to be a lot closer uh, than what it was. Um, you know, after uh, I think it was the one drive where the Broncos went three and out, I thought for sure uh, Cam was going to come right down and, and win the game. And, you know, then they had the, the fumble. I mean, the, the D-line had a great presence all game for Denver. So it was, uh, you know, Von Miller well-deserving of it. But up to that point, I was kind of questioning who's going to be the MVP because it could have gone really into anybody, you know, at the, to that point. Anybody but, uh, but Peyton Manning, who ended up at Disney World. Absolutely. They, when you said the the Broncos went three and out that one time. You mean 12 straight times the Broncos went three and out. So it could have been any time from about 6.50 on your clock to about 9 o'clock they went three and out. Yeah, absolutely. No, they, he didn't. I mean, he made a few throws early, but for the most part, you know, it was a mediocre offensive day on their part. You know, the defense owned that matchup, I'd say. So the Super Bowl obviously just uh, wrapped up five, six days ago. And so we have this vacuum. Uh, this will be the lead conversation point. But there's a vacuum that's left in the American sports world, at least. So many people tune in, 120 million or so tune in to the, the Super Bowl. So we'll examine some of the other sports opportunities uh, to, to fill that vacuum. And there is an almost insatiable interest in, in sport. So uh, we'll examine the Different sports possibilities, the NBA, the NHL, baseball starts spring training soon, uh, the English Premier League. Uh, so what sports can fill those gaps? And then uh, discuss Leicester City and the English Premier League. Both Pat and I, have, we've mentioned on here before, are EPL fans. Pat's a United fan. I'm a Liverpool fan. And so Leicester City, a team that was a year ago clearly in the drop zone, was going down to the championship, is now top of the table, which is almost storybook so we'll examine Leicester City and whether they can stay on and kind of what that means in the general landscape of English Premier League and then as Pat Gordon uh is just kind of agreed to this week he's gonna take over and work with me uh, on training camp a couple years ago Billy three years ago I think was a training camp intern so Billy will give a couple of pointers to Pat on exactly what to expect at training camp how that helped him kind of get to where he was and then we'll examine uh, Billy Bonneau's crazy life at Albany, uh, where he hasn't seen light either going to work or leaving work since August, uh, and a bunch of other things just on the other side of this break. 
So the NFL ends, season's over, kicks back off around Labor Day with training camp even in the end of July. That's four or five months now of nothing. There's the draft and some free agency. Pat, what do you think is the leading candidate to fill some of that space for the American viewer's attention? Well, you got NBA All-Star Weekend this weekend, and then the second, well, it's not really the halfway point, but the second part of of the NBA season with all kinds of great storylines going on. Um, Warriors going for the Bulls, famous 72-10 and 10 record. Cleveland with LeBron. Uh, I'll be glued into the NBA for the rest of the rest of the way here. You know, golf season slowly starts to pick up. Uh, really doesn't really kick off for the Masters. I know NASCAR has the Daytona here in a few weeks, but uh, it is a little bit of a lull. It just shows how powerful football is and that there's still going to be 24-7 coverage on NFL Network of combine and and draft moves and things of that nature and uh, even when football is not relevant it's relevant so it is silly to say that like the nfl is over and it's not coming back to july because they do keep you fired up and and watching with mock drafts and then wall-to-wall coverage of dudes running around in tights and jumping high and like there is no dead there's no dead period in the nfl Mm -hmm. Do you think that the NBA is the leading candidate to fill that? Have they kind of moved into second place? And I don't have in front of me statistics saying viewership because it's difficult to compare 81-game seasons to 162-game seasons. But do you get the sense that if you were going to pick a pecking order that the NBA is second? I think so right now, uh, given the storylines that are taking place. I think the Warriors are bringing in a lot of casual fans, the way they play. Uh, is a really exciting brand of basketball, and folks who maybe not aren't interested in the NBA will, will turn on to watch Steph Curry shoot turnaround fadeaway 38-footers. I think it's the NBA at two is a clear number two, and then everyone else is kind of battling from there. So, Billy, when you're not working and maybe you don't want to watch football because that's pretty much what you do all the time, what is it that you tune into? Is it the NBA? Is it English Premier League? Is it keeping up with the Kardashians? Like, what's the what keeps you interested? <laughs> well, when I'm wa- not watching uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, <laughs> um, no, it's probably college basketball. Um, you know, for me, it's it's probably the NFL. You know, and then college football. You know, one A. You know, one B. You know, and then college basketball is right after that. I think it's just a it's a quicker, more team environment game. You know, you can kind of follow it year to year. Whereas the NBA, you know, you kind of get stuck with some guys that. You know, it's not really about the team. You know, I think the the team is still really important, even though you're getting the one and one, one and done guys. And the obviously, you know, heading after their freshman year in college right now, I think you still have that brand. You know, where whether you're watching Syracuse, Duke, Kentucky, you know, it's just a little bit more entertaining for me right now than watching. You know, even though I like Kobe Bryant, you know, it's kind of tough to just tune into. Even though I think the Warriors, you know, doing a heck of a job um, as far as getting more people that aren't your average NBA fan, you know, just starting to watch basketball. Um, but I think those two sports are pro- those two college basketball and NBA by far are your next choice of option for watching right now. One of the things that kind of hurts the NBA, I think, is there. There's a lot of people that have pretty much penciled in the Warriors and the Cavs in the NBA Finals. Um, I think three of the top four teams are coming out of the West, but unfortunately, only one team gets to play in the Finals, and it's clearly the Warriors right now. And in the East, it's clearly the Cavs. Uh, so it might be at the point where people are like, all right. Come get me in in late May, early June, and we'll watch these guys play seven games heads up again. So it's probably in the best interest of David Stern and the, or sorry, uh, Adam Silver and the NBA uh, that the Warriors do chase the Bulls' record. Like it keeps mm. people interested. It's something to chase down. Like last year, people were watching Kentucky or the or, or all of basketball because Kentucky was undefeated and could they do it? Right? They'll be as soon as the Warriors lose their whatever tenth game, then it's it's over and you're like okay well at that point i mean seating's pretty much done the Cavs are certainly going to shut down their guys for the last three or four weeks i mean you'll give lebron a day off here Kyrie, kevin and all those those guys and if the warriors aren't in contention and already have an eight game lead on san antonio they're going to shut down their whole roster too so the last few weeks of the season might be kind of dead but at that point you're in uh late april and other sports baseball and golf and things have really kind of move to the forefront this is still an opportunity for baseball and it speaks poorly to the game that it hasn't really been discussed and in many circles it used to be that we're two weeks from the pitchers and catchers reporting and already 
players that I'm a Cardinals fan. I, I was reading a couple articles that Matt Holliday was taking ground balls at first base and things like that. But those conversations are pushed onto page 15 of of wherever you would be. Headlines all the way down ESPN, and and so it that sport itself, which is the safest when when people are getting CTE everywhere. Baseball players are making 30 million dollars and not having to worry about getting hit in the head with things, nobody is paying much attention to the game. It's sort of, it's really dying off. And that kind of speaks to the following for baseball. I mean, think about Matt Holliday taking grounders at first base. If that was a football player switching over to wide receiver, Terrell Pryor was the talk of the NFL in the preseason. And it's because he was trying out a wide receiver for the second worst franchise in uh, the entire league. And so baseball's not under the same microscope and people just you know dissect every little move in the nfl from a coaching standpoint from a player standpoint that's why i say it, it remains king until some other league steps up so billy i got two questions one you talked about college basketball how is albany's basketball team this year um they're doing very well they just uh they just dropped a, a tough one to unh um i believe it was last night but they are currently uh, in second place behind stony brook and they see them at home next weekend or next uh excuse me next midweek so that should be a good one they lost the one down at stony brook so i'm hoping you know it's going to be a sellout crowd uh next week and then i'm going to call on your football expertise in pat's last statement he said that the terrell Pryor was uh potentially switching positions for the second worst franchise in football i'd like you to just let me know who would be worse than the cleveland browns if they are the second worst franchise in football well yeah i tell you raiders had a better season um you know i'd say they're usually penciled in there uh is he trying to set you up to tear down your team right are you a raiders fan no no oh. i'm not a raiders fan oh. um, well then pat who are you talking about like who's the well the browns don't have the first overall pick because there was a team worse than them I mean, uh, we're not even the best at being the worst, so we're we're second best at that. I mean, the Titans, you know, are are down there, but I feel like they got Mariota, they got a few pieces there. You know, it's it's just crazy. You know, the stability there with the Browns. You know, they've had more change in head coaches the last four or five years. You can't really get a a system in place or a got a group of guys to buy into it because you have so much turnover. The uh, how would that impact your life, right? As a video coordinator trying to understand coaches and things, how would that turnover impact you? I mean, you know, my role would obviously I would assume it still would be similar, but it's just the amount of different directions that you're going in. You know, you might have one guy that wants it to be this way, one guy that wants to be that way. And, you know, all the different kind of, I guess, the the mindset for the team as a whole, you know, what you're buying into. And, you know, a lot of guys want to have a little flair to it, you know, and uh, everyone's going to have a different message, you know, so you're, you're used to that stability. If you have a coach there after two, three years, that's going to stay there for a Tom Coughlin type tenure. And, you know, like the Cincinnati Bengals, I, I applaud their ownership, you know, because he's been there, Marvin Lewis now, and hasn't won a playoff game, you know, but yet they get to the playoffs year after year, whereas the Browns, you know, it's a one year and then you're done, you know, so how can you establish that credibility as a coach, you know, as a, as a general manager, if you don't get that opportunity to have a couple of years before people start really coming down on you and saying, hey, where are the results? As we talk about stability and kind of transitioning and shifting gears a little bit, it, the English Premier League for years and years and years has been Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, and Liverpool and Arsenal. Those five teams, nobody other than those five teams has ever led the English Premier League this late in a season. And here we are, beginning of February, 12 or 13 games from the end of the line, and Leicester City is leading the English Premier League. As a non-soccer fan, Billy, did you even know that this story existed? i got to be honest, I did not. Is that because there's just not enough time? Do you have any interest in soccer at all? Do any of your friends? Um, no, some of my friends definitely, I mean, especially with the, I think, the younger generation, the uh, the ex- popularity of the video game FIFA, I know that's helped a lot, you know, as far as getting that realm. You know, you used to have all the football video games and baseball video games. Well, now, you know, basketball is obviously big as well, but now soccer is getting into it, hockey is getting into it. But I think we're starting to see, you know, with the women's team being successful, the men's are at least competing at, at a high level. They're not necessarily making it as far as the, the women's did, but, um, you know, they're at least being competitive. I think growing up, it was just we kind of knew that they were out of it every single year, you know, so I think that's helping, but you know, I think it's still far, far away from being 
uh, a competitive sport as far as competing with the popularity, you know, between football, basketball, you know, baseball, you know, I think lacrosse is making ways, um, you know, I, there's just so many sports now, but I think those are kind of the main three, you know, hockey as well. And I, I want to watch soccer, you know, but obviously being in the same season, you know, as a lot of those sports, you know, it's tough to, you know, say I would watch it over any of those four sports I mentioned. Right. So Pat, here we are, you paid attention to, to soccer for many years. What would be as close to an American comparison to what Leicester City is doing in American sport? I, and I was thinking about this the other day. I, I really think the only sport you can compare it to is baseball just because of the, the, the divide between the teams that spend the most and the teams that don't spend much at all. And you kind of see that in baseball more than any other. So I guess it would be the equivalent of like um, – I don't know, the Tampa Bay Rays, for instance, back a few years ago when they were making runs at the AL East and consistently in the playoffs, that team essentially winning you know 100 games like the Mariners did a decade or so ago. Uh, it's completely unprecedented. I've been waiting for Leicester City to fall off the earth for four months now. I thought for sure last week when they played Man City that that was going to be the beginning of the end for them, and they went and thumped them 3 nothing at the Etihad uh, and really kind of put a, a firm hold they're, they're five points clear of Tottenham for second um, my Manchester United team our title hopes have been gone for months now so I'm fully on board I want to see Leicester City take it all the way they got a big one this weekend against Arsenal if they take three from that or even a point quite frankly they get a point from that game I think they're in really really good shape and and they're a really really good team so Billy as a non-soccer fan I'm just going to implore you for the next couple of months through May Pay attention to ESPN FC or whatever site you want to look at, Yahoo, however you want to go about doing it, NBC Sports. Leicester City, NBC Sports Network, these games are on most of the weekend. This weekend they play uh, Leicester at uh, the Emirates against Arsenal is the first game on Sunday, so it would be 7 a.m. Just watch a little bit. It's an unbelievable story. It probably should be getting more attention here than it is because – having a team that it was a double a team a couple years ago and then moved to triple a and then moved to the majors and then almost immediately looked like they were being sent down to triple a and here we are maybe winning the championship within a year of being looking like they're relegating is sort of storybook last week they played liverpool in the midweek match at the king power and there was a movie crew there that was kind of scouting it out to see if the story was true that like they should be really following them along and they uh, Jamie Vardy hit some miracle strike from 30 yards out and they ended up beating Liverpool 2-0 and then they scored three minutes in against City and won 3-1 and I, I can only imagine that the producers of the movie company is coming back to with cameras I don't know why they wouldn't it's a really once in a lifetime type situation but it's It may be this time once in a lifetime, but as television numbers and and the dollars that the EPL is getting from their national television, actually international television rights, the difference between the Chelsea's and the Manchester United's and the Watford's and Bournemouth's, who are the minnows of the EPL, is much smaller because that money is being dragged across everybody. And so maybe... the it gives hope to future Leicesters or future teams in the championship, whatever, Nottingham Forest coming up and then making uh, making a run at the top four. So it'd be interesting to watch. You should go get yourself a Jamie Vardy and a, and a Mares jersey and walk around Albany campus and see what happens. You'd probably have a handful of friends you didn't know you had before. <laughs> I'm sure I would. I got to tell you, though, I think what's interesting is how you have to compete just to stay in the league. You know, I mean, you talk about like the Browns, 76ers, these teams would have been out of it a long time ago, you know, and I think that's kind of a cool niche that they've created where you have to be competitive year after year just to stay in it. You know, I mean, teams like the Detroit Lions, I mean, they wouldn't be able to stay in the league, you know, in the NFL if that was the case. It would be the Patriots, you know, and a few other teams every year. You know, you'd see a lot of different turnover. You know, the Panthers wouldn't be where they are right now, you know, but um, I think that's a cool niche that you would draw a fan like myself in, you know, that you have to be competitive year in and year out. And if you're not, 
there's going to be turnover, you know, and then you get another team, you know, like Leicester City that has an opportunity now because they've been competitive at all the different levels to now get that shot with the big boys. So that'll definitely draw my interest, I can tell you that. And ultimately last year, Chelsea was so far ahead of the top of the table that it was pretty evident who was going to win the championship. All the attention, like all the headline games were the 15 through 20th ranked teams and who they were playing at the end of the season to see who stayed in the Premier League and made that additional Premier League money and who made championship money, which is just a portion of that. So it's really a, a, an interesting situation. And I watch and we discuss in either podcasts hours of soccer. I probably It's probably my second favorite sport. And maybe college football. It'd be my third maybe behind college football and the NFL and then the EPL. I, I prefer watching the EPL even to the NFL for me. Uh, I watch the Bills and the Browns, and then outside of that, usually because I watch so much college football, by Sunday at 4 o'clock, I'm pretty much gassed on the football front, the American football side. Um, I just love I love watching soccer. I think it's great. I watch Obviously, I watch United every weekend, and then in addition to that, three or four of whoever's playing that are good matches. I talked my wife into letting me put a second television in the living room for, for the fall so that I can watch a football game and in with no sound and she can stay on and watch whatever she wants i think she believes that now that football season's over that tv is going to go away but really what happens on the weekends is i just turn on nbc sports network and tomorrow morning united and sunderland will be on and luke and lauren will be watching the whatever mickey's clubhouse the mickey mouse clubhouse on the with the sound so the second tv is probably staying at 53 eastfield um the third topic is uh training camp the Bills are here. It's a really awesome experience for the college and for students. Uh, Billy was an intern a couple of years ago. But uh, since Steve Saluzzo left to go to Bishop Kearney uh, over the last summer, we have had to do a little bit of reorganizing and training camp. And Kerry Brown, who had overseen the, the hourly staff, has moved along as well. So there is a bit of a gap. And Pat Gordon, just this week, uh, we've worked through, is going to join the training camp staff. And we're pretty excited for that, hopefully, uh, he doesn't get too overwhelmed and, and quit in the middle of the time so he can yeah, that oversee, the, oversee the interns. <laughs> but Billy was there a couple of years ago. What are some pointers for Pat on what to expect? Um, fans love their bills. Um, <laughs> I'd say that's probably number one. Um, you know, you get some definitely avid fans, sometimes a little too much, but, you know, it's a great, great environment. Um, the setup here on campus, you know, I've had the fortunate luxury of being able to go to a couple different training camps um, you know, from growing up, you know, just in, then from the last couple of years. And um, I don't think anyone does it better than, you know, St. John Fisher. And, uh, um, you know, they, between the relationships between the Bills, you know, and the college, you know, that that's one thing that at least, you know, growing up, I didn't see back in Albany. Um, and this is obviously before the staff got here at Albany. But, um, you know, growing up, there was just a disconnect between the Giants and University of Albany. And obviously now, you know, they built their you know, billion dollar facility down in the city. So we don't have them anymore back in Albany. And people are hurting, you know, as far as the local, um, local restaurants, local businesses, you know, cause they counted upon that, you know, over the summer, for that three, four week period that the giants were in town. But uh, no, it, it's a great atmosphere. You know, you get to uh, get to see the campus transition from, you know, a four year institution to an NFL atmosphere for four weeks, five weeks at a time. And, uh, you know, the, the campus life center becomes, you know, the headquarters, you know, for the coaches and the you know general manager and, and all that. And um, you get to cross paths with, you know, I remember coming uh, during the summertime before the internship even started and we got to show around um, Doug Marone, uh, you know, for around the campus for the first time. And, um, you know, just to have that professionalism around you, you know, it can, you just kind of feed off of it. And, you know, what does, doesn't matter what task we were doing, whether we were setting up something or whether we were, you know, coordinate, coordinating an event, you know, on campus, you know, for one of the practices at night, which by far, you know, is one of the best, you know, parts of the camp experience is having those night practices. I think during my time we had three or four of them and um, just the hospitality events going on, um, you know, the, the president comes back, you know, Dr. Bain always came um, and and, uh, you know, just to see the atmosphere that, you know, the training camp is the perfect atmosphere for the NFL because everyone's undefeated at that point. You know, so there's always hope and inspiration that everyone's going to have a turnaround season. And um, you see that in the Bills year in and year out, that those fans. And, you know, I think they're still on record that we haven't had a playoff season since the Bills have been 
in our backyard here at Fisher. But you know, hopefully that turns around. You know, with I'm now, not sure that's a stat now, we want to be with, proud of. With now, with now Pat being on board, you know, hopefully that stat turns around. But if it, the Bills make the playoffs, I'm taking full credit too. Oh, like absolutely. I want, I want the same key to the city they gave Terrell Owens. I was just waiting for Billy to finish because I was going to say <laughs> there's nobody pulling harder for the Bills than Pat Gordon because <laughs> if the if the Bills make the playoffs, I can only imagine like the new name tag, like it says Pat Gordon, director of experiential outreach and uh, whatever, and then say uh, also uh, leader of the Buffalo Bills playoff march <laughs> right. like, or uh, whatever, architect. Once we the- got rid of that Saluzzo guy and had a, his replacement come in. I'm interested because, Pat, you're... You're a Browns fan, but you're not a super, super emotional identified fan, right? On the list of your fandom, there'd be down the line a little bit. Yes. I mean, it's definitely what we're we're on the list. I I enjoyed, I'd never lived in a city when I lived in, in the Boston area. I was up North Shore, so I never lived in a city that had a football team. I'm from, uh, you know, East Timbuktu, New York. So just to see how much the community is involved, how much people identify themselves with how their football team is doing, which in Brown's world is uh, not well, but nonetheless, they still come out in droves just like Buffalo fans do. I, I, I always said that Buffalo fans and Cleveland fans are almost identical in that they just they want to win her so bad, uh, and they, they consistently come out and support the team even when they're not winning. Um, but hopefully one of those teams, I, I think the Bills are certainly much closer than the Browns at this point, are going to get to the playoffs. I think if the Bills could ever get a home playoff game, that would just be such an unbelievable environment. And, you know, the Ralph is, is a great place to watch a game, period. But if they got a playoff game there, too, oh, boy. Yeah, that, that is why I bought season tickets Sure, like, this year, and I'll probably continue them on. Lauren doesn't know It's that worth yet. the wait. I mean, oh, if you can just hang on, and I'm, I say that as the person who's not cutting the check every year, if you can hang on and eventually get the playoff game, it's almost worth it at that point. So as a not fan, I started training camp. I was a Dolphins fan. But similar to you, not really a big fan. Like, I'd, I needed root for somebody. Do you think, and if so, how long do you think it takes for you to be turned into a Bills fan just because you know those people and you kind of have a relationship with them that you didn't have with anybody else, maybe Brett Wallace in Cleveland. Sure. I don't know if I, if I'll ever, I'm going to come back to this tape at some point and laugh at myself. But that's, why we're put, that's why we're putting it on tape. I don't know if I'll ever become a, a Bills fan, but I, I, I will certainly pull for the organization because of their connection to Fisher and, and Western New York. I found myself this year even, you know, I'm not, in Cleveland anymore. So the game on CBS isn't the Browns, it's the Bills. So we had to get creative and bring in another screen and go online and stream the Browns game. And then we'd have the Bills game on the main TV. And I'm still pulling for the Bills to do well. So there's, I think you can can root for a team to do well without necessarily being a fan of the organization. And I will consistently cheer for the Bills to do well without saying that I'm going to go join Bills Mafia and uh, mm-hmm. set a table on fire and jump off a pickup truck. No, I, I think it'll happen. You know, I mean, I'm not a Bills fan. You know, they weren't who I rooted for growing up. But just being around that atmosphere for a month, you know, and really we're there a month and a half because we start it and then we, we break it down when it's all done, getting ready for students coming back on campus. And you just have that connection, you know, like Dr. Harrison said, that you're just going to always be connected to it, especially if you stay with it. And, you know, you'll get to know the people that work the ins and outs of the organization that, you know, might not necessarily be, you know, the starting quarterback, but yet, you know, the people tied to that and you know live off of that success and uh you know it's exciting you know training camp you know it's a it's a fun atmosphere because i think everyone's so loose you know that there's not that stress that comes during the season that you know geez we lost the last two weeks you know everyone's you know whether you had a bad practice or not you know you're still zero zero in the win win and loss column and uh you know that hope that everyone kind of you know strives off of that you hope turns into success and you know i'm hoping the bills you know for their sake i'm hoping they're not too far off you know uh Obviously, we have Russ Brandon there, you know, and we do have a few other Fisher people that we can pull for. And, you know, I'm hoping they break that streak of not having a playoff appearance, you know, while they've been to Fisher. I can definitely for our sake. Me too. So that I just stop hearing about that every year. Like, they keep blaming us. Like, it's our, like we have anything to do with it. But uh, we'll transition now to focus more on Billy and uh, Billy Beno and some of his experiences that he's had in the last three, four years uh, as he starts his career uh, with an interest in football, football operations, football scouting. Uh, currently, he's 
with us uh, from the University at Albany, video coordinator, football operations assistant. And uh, just on the other side here of a little third eye blind, we'll get to know Billy a little bit more. So hold on. All right, Billy. So you have spent most of your working time after training camp with us uh, kind of getting into the football operations arena, uh, interning at Villanova, then moving on to RPI and, the, and then the University of Albany. How long have you had that interest in football operations? Um, I'd probably say, you know, since a, I mean, since a younger kid, I've always been interested, probably started, um, you know, with watching the draft growing up, you know, and, and used to always think oh you know you just had the coaches and the players and I was the only people that worked for the organization um, and then that kind of enhanced honestly as I had the internship you know at, at uh, Buffalo Bills training camp and you got to see everyone wearing the blue and red around campus and you got to realize that there's more than just you know the the players and the coaches that are involved in the organization and um, you know how that all gets operated behind the scenes you know whether it's the selection of the players you know whether it's the organization of the hotels you know on, on the road or uh, you know the game day management you know the event management behind the scenes hospitality there's so much that goes into it um, and then you can all take kind of credit you know for the wins and losses you know for better or for worse obviously we know the coaches and players have the most impact on it but um, to see all the different resources and the people that are involved you know there's a lot of hard work that goes into you know making an organization run and uh, I've always had that interest and like I said it probably started with the draft but I know it definitely um, you know changed my direction going from wanting to be anything from you know a sports reporter to a sports agent to I saw I wanted to work for an organization you know when I had that opportunity to intern at Bill's training camp um, and that kind of fueled the fire you know from there and uh, since then you know I've had a been fortunate enough to work for um, three different college football programs um, since graduation and um, you know we'll see where the next step takes me but you know it's been great working as a unit you know and being a part of something bigger than myself you know and um, that team atmosphere that organization type atmosphere whether you're at the college level or the or the professional level you, know, you still have that environment you know with everyone wearing the same gear you know everyone buying into you know this is our philosophy you know and we're all going for the main goal as far as winning this and and uh, you know everyone buys into it and um, you know it's a cool atmosphere to be a part of and uh, you know it's one that keeps me motivated to keep working hard every single day how is you albany supported uh within the campus the football program at least uh on the campus and then in the greater capital region i guess pat you could also talk to this too growing up in that in that region um well i mean i would say uh it's it's elevated uh greatly you know over the last couple of years um you know they had coach bob ford there um for a long time and he built the program up from a division three school to a division one double a um and then over the last three years They've transitioned from the NEC conference to the CAA conference, which um, you gain a lot more scholarships going from the NEC to the CAA and the different type of athlete, too. Um, you know, they, they reference, you know, obviously, I don't want to say that we're the SEC, but they reference that we're the SEC of our level. So we're at the FCS level, which is a notch below FBS. So schools like Buffalo, Boston College, Syracuse. Um, and, you know, we have t six teams in the top 25 every year. I think the last two years we've had a team make it to the Final Four. Um, this past year we, um, one of them got knocked off by the eventual national champion. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's always a competitive league, and I think people are buying into that philosophy of, you know, this is going to be, you know, one of the better sports, you know, in the area you know, for a long time, as long as we start building the program. And um, Coach Catuso and, and our whole staff is doing a great job along with the administration as far as, you know, building, you know, game day. And like this past year, we had all the students come down and uh, in, instead of having the dining halls open, we had them all come down and we had uh, we had game great day and game day down on the field. And you know, just the environment down there to have more students around, you know, watching the games, getting to know what we're about as far as the football program and uh, seeing that, you know, we're not, not that the NAC was bad football because by no means was it bad football, but it's just an elevated atmosphere to where there's going to be more national recognition. There's more media outlets and, you know, is this program 
keeps on advancing, you know, you're going to see more and more coverage of us. And Albany does a great job of getting coverage for the, um, whether it's the basketball program, the lacrosse program, baseball, and football. We're just hoping that, you know, we keep taking strides. And, um, you know, for us, what's different than the rest of the programs on campus is that we're in a different conference. So everyone else competes in the America East. Um, so basketball has done a great job there, you know, as far as making the tournament, both men and women's. Um, and, and like I mentioned for lacrosse as well, but for football, we're in the CAA and, and so that's, that's a whole nother animal as far as for us, you know, trying to take on that challenge of not being within the program or within the athletic department. So it's, it's kind of confusing for a lot of people. And I think that's where we do lose a little bit of coverage, but you know, I know that athletic administration and people on campus are really on board and backing us and, and taking that next step to really be one of the elite programs in our conference. And um, you know, it's definitely been an uphill battle, you know, as far as because there's just been a lot of established programs. But, you know, I know that we're on the right direction and, you know, I'm excited to see where this program is, you know, the next couple of years. You know, I didn't follow UAlbany football at all growing up. I mean, it was Siena and UAlbany basketball were the ones you, yep. you paid attention to. I think the move to the CAA is huge. You were listening off at lunch today, some of the teams that you guys play, the Richmonds, the William & Marys of the world. I think aligning yourself with those programs is, is big. New York, I don't think anyone would argue against us, is not a huge football state. We, we enjoy football here, but it's not Ohio, Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania. Um, so I think aligning yourself with, with the best is huge for the school. Um, I'll pay attention now a, a little bit more, I think, than, than I would have before. Um, I like the FCS. What's fun about that is the, the tournament at the end of the year, uh, a little bit better than some of the politics that go into the bowl selections at the FBS level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the college basketball, you know, tournament. It's obviously not as big, but, you know, you do get to see the David versus Goliath, you know, a little bit, you know, and uh, that makes it more interesting for your average fan. And uh, right now, North Dakota State's kind of been that Goliath, you know, that everyone's kind of hoping to take down. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, hope, hopefully it's, you know, us are one of the teams in our conference, and I know that, our, you know, our conference has been up there the last couple of years, and, um, you know, it just shows that, you know, you kind of, it could happen to anybody, you know, and uh, we're just hoping to be one of those teams, you know, that punches a ticket to the dance, you know, and I think once you get in that, you know, field, you know, I, I don't know how many exact teams, I think it might be 24, 32, I forget what's the exact number, but, um, you know, once you get in, you know, no different than the wild card in the NFL, I mean, once you get in, anything can happen, so we're hoping to be one of those teams, you know, whether it's next year, or the year after that, and um, it's only going to, you know, grow for the program, you know, and the athletic department to buy into it. Once we see that first playoff appearance, you know, it's only going to help us, and especially if we can get a home game, you know, as far as you have the home seeds, have the home games, you know, which is a, a benefit for the college football atmosphere. But, you know, the tough part is it's right around the student breaks. So for a lot of these teams, you know, if you make it all the way, you know, the game before the final, you end up playing a game where the students are on Christmas break, you know, so we're hoping that, uh, you know, the Albany crowd still comes out, you know, even if the students are, are out of session. So, but it's definitely a fun time to be a great day, and I can tell you that. So you just, you talked about moving up to the CAA and having to step up the number of the d different level of athletes that you're recruiting and trying to bring into your program. Signing day just finished 10 days ago-ish, and you guys had 18 recruits, guys come in, uh, and, and while most of the attention is given to the Michigans and the Alabamas and the Florida States and who's going to be in the top of that level. Uh, how do you get from the thousands of football players that are in the country, high school players looking to play, to determine who Albany, who's good enough to play at Albany, uh, who could allow them to compete elsewhere in the country, and then uh, who may want to come to Albany altogether? Well, ultimately, it comes down to, um, you know, our, our head coach, uh, Coach Gattuso, and, and our recruiting coordinator, Coach Aaron Smith. Um, you know, they, they break down as far as where our recruiting areas are going to be. Um, so, obviously, we take the state of New York, um, which we're definitely going to try to improve upon this, Pat. You know, for next year, we had one kid come in um, from New York. But, you know, we definitely want to recruit that, you know, going forward. So, we'll, we'll hit that heavily. And then from there, we break out, you know, into all different states that – based upon their interest you know so this past year we were in ohio um new jersey pennsylvania 
Um, you know, we had some coaches in Florida and, uh, you know, so we're, we're not so much just trying to look for a specific state, you know, but we're going to be going out to all the camps, you know, and where the best kids are, you know, and, uh, for us, we realize that, you know, we have our Northeastern niche, but we're going to go find the best players. And whether that means they're in Ohio, whether they're in Florida, whether they're in Pittsburgh, you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to go find them. And, but the big thing is our coaches going to camps, you know, talking to getting to know the high school coaches in their areas, um, and, and establishing relationships with them and, uh, you know, hoping that they're going to give us the best inside information on who their upcoming players are, you know, whether they say, hey, I, I have a player for you maybe in two years or, you know, their honesty for us. You know, they might tell us, hey, I have a guy, but I really don't think he's your type of level, you know, and for us jumping from the NEC to the CAA, it's a different caliber of athlete. So, um, you know, we kind of trust you know, getting those relationships and, and trusting that the coaches from the high school level are telling us the right information. But ultimately, you know, we'll watch a bunch of film. Our coaches do a great job of doing their due diligence, watching film and um, you know, hours upon hours of film. And whether it's, you know, you don't just watch the highlight, you know, it's easy for you go on huddle and just watch a, you know, two minute to five minute highlight clip, you know, everyone can watch that. But, you know, to watch hours of actual game tape and seeing how a kid performs over a progression of a season, you know, like I know our quarterbacks coach will watch just for one quarterback, He'll watch sophomore, junior, and senior senior season in high school just to see that progression. You know, now some kids might not even play their sophomore year, but you just want to still see that progression. You know, and um, that's why talking to the coaches, getting to know them, and obviously they have an inside access to, you know, who who the kid is and you know, what's his character like. And you know, when you're throwing out scholarship money you have to know these kids ins and out, you know, because they're going to obviously represent you when they come step on, step on campus for the first time. And you got to trust that they're going to have their best, in, they're going to have your best interest. And, uh, you know, they're going to buy into what you're trying to tell them and um, ultimately going for that championship. So um, you want to know the kid's background. You want to know his family. And our coaches go in the homes of the kids, you know, get to know their families, get to know their friends, get to know their coaches. And, um, you know, you want to know everything you can about them. And ultimately, you know, that they're going to be the right fit for your program. And, um, our coach has done a great job, and um, that's kind of how it boils down. But it starts in the springtime. You know, we'll look at kids, you know, from there. We'll talk to coaches, and then just develops from the summer, and then we'll get out a little bit during the season. And then, you know, after that, we'll have the recruiting weekends, and before you know it, it's signing day. So it's kind of a, you know, no, no different than the NFL. It's kind of a 365, you know, that it doesn't really stop, you know, for us, you know. And we had signing day last week, and, you know, immediately you start next week, we'll probably start looking at some guys for the next upcoming season. And, uh, you know, it's crazy to think some schools are already offering you know kids as as low as middle school you know I don't think we're at that level yet but you know you're never going to turn your eye away from a good player you know if he's going to help your program and be a great student athlete for your institution you know you can't say no to him and uh, you know but the film comes in all over and uh, you try to minimize how much film you know because there's a lot of it out there you know you want to make sure that you're spending your time wisely and um, but at the end of the day you try to do what's best for your program. So if it's watching a couple extra hours of game tape, you know, just so that kid who might help you, maybe not this season, but the following season, you know, you're going to do it to help your program. So there's a, a really good chance that an FCS player not only goes in the first round, but potentially a first player quarterback drafted this year, North Dakota State. Uh, what's your pitch when you go to uh, a, a, whether it's a kid's house or meet his parents or host him on campus? Um, there's obviously going to be a perception that FCS is a, the, the next level down, that it's not as good, which, I mean, you can make arguments both ways, but there's a lot of players from FCS in the NFL now. So how do you kind of sell the program versus getting picked off by maybe some of those FBS schools? Well, you know, you'll, you'll get some players definitely um, and some family members that will look at you and say, well, you know, you're not Buffalo, you know, you're not Syracuse. But, you know, I can tell you, you know, just based off my experience from last year, um, we had a kicker at RPI. His name's Andrew Franks, who just got undrafted um, by the Miami Dolphins and just spent a year there as their starting kicker. Now, I know that, you know, you might say, well, that's a kicker, you know, and that's different from a defensive lineman or that's a quarterback. Um, but my point being that, you know, wherever you are, if you're talented, they're going to find you. You know, there's enough scouts out there that they'll, coaches, coaches will talk and uh, they'll get the name out there. And um, for Andrew's sake, you know, he's done a great job, you know, in the NFL. But um, that's just to go to show, you know, for us, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're the FCS, you know, FBS. Division One is still a great, great uh, football. 
And for us, you know, we're in a great conference to be able to showcase our guys that, you know, it is great football and you're going up against, there's not really an easy victory, you know, at any point during our season. And, um, you know, how you relate that to kids is just by, you know, showing them, you know, our past our past games, you know, but also showing them, you know, how good, as much as we don't want to, you know, say that, you know, we, we lost, even though it was a close game to Richmond, you know, it's great for recruiting to see Richmond go to the final four. You know, it's great to say that we lost by seven on their home turf, you know, and we're going to see them next year. And it's just such a competitive conference that you have to use that to your advantage. But then when you're recruiting a kid and you're battling him, you know, for other schools in your conference, you have to know your own pitch, you know, so our coaches do a really good job of, you know, knowing the ins and outs of our institution and, and, and Albany's got a great academic um, support staff and, you know, it's really a great program. And, um, you know, but you, as a recruiter, you have to know that that's what's going to separate you from another school. You know, so we have Stony Brook in state, you know, what's going to separate us from them when you have one in-state kid versus another. Um, and, you know, you have to know the ins and outs because if you don't, you know, everyone's just going to look at wins and losses. And for us, you know, we didn't have the greatest season this past year, but, you know, we can use everything else as far as our coaching staff. You know, we can use the program where it's headed. You know, we can use our administration support, you know, our the, the amount of coverage that we have, you know. And um, there's all different things that go into how you try to, you know, get a kid to come to your school, you know, and it's definitely a, a 24 seven, you know, job recruiting a kid. And, uh, I think that's, you know, when signing day comes, it's such a relief, you know, like, whew, you know, like you're, it's, and it, I don't want to say that you're done, you know, but you've just put so much emphasis into that kid, you know, that to finally see him commit to your school on signing day, it's like a, it's a big deal for us, you know, and, and you kind of job complete, you know, now the next step is now you get to go back to what you really want to do and you get to coach the kid, you know, but you're really a salesman, you know, for that time period. So. So getting to now you're coaching the kid and now you're into a game week, right? And you talked about the grind and it's a 365 grind and you're recruiting and you're recruiting the kids that have agreed to come to your program and whatnot. But now you're playing and the season over those four weeks of training camp and then the 12, maybe up to 15 or 16 weeks is a grind in itself. What does a, from your perspective, what you do, what does a game week look like for you? Uh, well, game week will start. You know, if we have the if we have the game before Saturday, um, game week will start breaking down the film Saturday night. Uh, Sunday, you know, making sure that we're in early um, before the staff gets there to make sure we have the film ready to go. And that's myself, offense, offensive assistant, defensive assistant, and we'll make sure all three spectrums are covered. So I'll, I'll cover the special teams. Um, we'll have the offensive guy do the offensive breakdown, defensive guy do the defensive breakdown. And for that, we usually, you know, anywhere is from three to five games worth. Um, and then if we played them the year before, we'll look at that as well. Um, and then, you know, but as far as the game week, you know, you want to cover everything from, for me, as far as video-wise, you want to make sure that you've shared all the data, you know, so you want to share the, the week before the game that you played uh, previously, and you want to make sure you receive that from them as well. And what's nice for our conference is there's a called Dragonfly where you go in and you can just grab however many games you want. So um, it's a little bit more difficult for out-of-conference games. Um, you have to make sure you contact them ahead of time. Um, but I'll help out with the social media. Um, you know, I'll make sure we got all of our posts, you know, leading up to the game and then after the game as well. Um, I'll help out with the special teams, as I mentioned. Um, with video, I got to make sure that, you know, if it's a road game or even for a home game that we have everything set up um, on the field, you know, we'll have a sideline shot, we'll have an end zone shot, and then, uh, you know, making sure that the, the away team is covered. Um, you know, I'll help out with the football operations side of it, you know, making sure that you know, for our meals, you know, we have everything squared away. Um, meeting times are all, all proper, making sure that, you know, we get to the field at the right time for kickoff. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, I, I also help out with the tickets, making sure that um, we get the right people in the stands as far as family members. You know, we want to make sure that we get as many fans as we can, and we always have um, a lot of family in attendance, which is always nice to have for home games. Um, but for away games, you know, a lot of a lot of players want to have their families travel as well. So, you know, those little things that you don't even think about, um, you have to assist with. And then for home games, we'll have uh, we'll have some recruits come up, so you help with those for home games. And uh, you know, so by the, the 
the course of the week, you know, you end up looking at you're you're in kind of dipping your hands in like six to seven different areas, you know, of expertise. Um, you know, so what's cool about my title is even though it says video coordinator, you know, football operations assistant, you're kind of doing seven or eight different jobs, you know, and uh, that's what makes my role fun is that you know it's each and every week can be different, you know, and it's not going to just be the same routine. And even though sometimes it feels that way, like your practice is always at the same time, meetings are always at the same time, you know, setting up guys to watch film with the coaches, you know, that can all kind of be redundant a little bit, but then you, you each week's going to be different as far as who's your opponent, you know, what film you're going to be breaking down. Um, and if it's a road game, if it's a home game, you know, that's completely different. So um, there's a lot that goes into it that people don't necessarily see, you know, they just show up and watch the game for three hours. But um, that's what makes my job fun is all the behind the scenes stuff too, that makes the whole program flow. And, um, you know, mine's just one part of the part of the puzzle, you know, and, uh, you know, to see everything flow on game day, you know, it makes everything else worthwhile, you know, and you put all that effort in um, behind the scenes for those three hours, you know, and then once the three hours, it kind of flies by and you wish you had more hours, you know, in the day to have that game but um you know it's all worth it you know once saturday comes how many with all of that being done you yourself what is that 70 hours 80 <laughs> hours 100 hours it's a lot more than i can count i can tell you that would that be uh, if you're looking at kind of the aspects of your job that you expected and, and those that maybe were beyond or different than what you thought of like would the hours be within the line of what you expected them to be um, you know, I'd say coming out of college, no, I'd probably say there'd be less. But I think having <clears throat> between my internship at Villanova, um, you know, working as a receivers coach at RPI and then working video coordinator in football operations at UAlbany, you know, even at the Division three level, you know, whether it was my time in the spring with St. John Fisher before I graduated, you know, everyone's putting in the amount of hours. You know, some are going to put in longer hours, but, you know, people kind of just show up for the game and think, that's that's the work that they put in and you know that might be the stereotype but just to put in for one victory each week you know there's a lot of work that goes into it you know you wonder why you know the Belichicks of the world show up in sweats in a in a t-shirt you know for their for their conference interviews during the week you know it's that's the kind of the regiment you know because they're going to be there from 5 30 a.m till midnight you know each night of the week um and uh you know there's no way around it you know if you want to catch up you know, how are you going to make your program going from one level to the next? Well, you know, some coaches see it as, you know, make their time efficient. Some coaches just see, you know, we want to make sure that we watch as much film as possible and get our guys as prepared as we can be. And I think the worst thing that a coach can do is go into a game unprepared, you know, is why some guys put so much time in during the week so that Saturday comes and they know every little detail of the other team and what they're going to do to that team and, you know, how they're going to react if this happens. And, you know, you want to make sure you're prepared. And, and that goes for whether it's, you know, our strength and conditioning coach working with the guys during the week that goes to our, our training staff, you know, our equipment staff, you know, operations, recruiting, you know, the coaches on the field, you know, all those pieces go into it. And, uh, you know, to see it all flow on game day is what you're all really looking for. But it's definitely, you know, a hectic environment, a fast paced environment, but, you know, it's a lot of fun too. And, you know, right now we're, we're obviously in the off season, so it's a, definitely different for us, but, um, you know, once the s season rolls around, you know, even though it's busy, you know, that's what you live for, you know, that, that busy environment. How long does your off season last? About three weeks? <laughs> well, I can tell you, you know, we'll start, um, we have the week off and we'll go right back into starting preparing for next, uh, next season, you know, with we play Buffalo again and, uh, we'll start preparing for them, you know, probably in a couple weeks, you know, you spring football. Yep. We'll have spring practice starting in March and, uh, that'll be in March and April and, you know, and, and then we'll see the guys, you know, go for the summer and then we'll see them again over the summertime. And, uh, you know, so it's really, it's a 365, you know, there's really no time, time off. And that's, Honestly, that's the way you'd rather have it, and especially in today's society you know, f with football being so popular as it is. You know, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, you want to live the dream and, and be in the sport that you love, you know, and that's that's what you're doing, you know. And even though you'd say, oh, you know, I wish I had a day off here or there, you know, at the same time, when you have those days off, you're kind of kicking to go back in the office, and, you know, that's where you really want to be. And um, to see the results on Saturday, they don't just happen overnight. You know, there's a lot of things that go into having a successful season, and, you know, it's by no mistake that, you know, the Patriots, you know, the Alabamas of the world are the same teams year after year out. You know, it's because the programs, the amount of hard work that they're putting in on a daily basis 
Um, you know, and I've heard some scary stories, you know, as far as, you know, some of the recruiting tales and, you know, some of the hours that some of those schools put in. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, success doesn't lie. And, um, you know, if you want to be an established program, you, know, you have to put in the hard work. And, you know, I know that our staff at Albany has done a great job of that. But my experience the last three years, you know, has, you know, stemming from, you know, my senior year of college working with Fisher for that spring season, you know, hard work pays off. And if you're not doing it, you know, then you're going to be missing out, you know, once the season rolls around and wishing you had put in more time. So, so what you're saying is that you're spending like 10% of your off season here with us at this podcast. And then at lunch, is that kind of what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. You is know, this like, making you itch to go back to work more or less than you thought it was going to? No, it's, it's definitely a drive to be, you know, as a competitor, you know, whether you're, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a coach operation, I mean, you want to win, you know, and, um, you know, you see the teams in your conference do well and you say, geez, you know, we just lost to them by seven. We just lost to them by three. And that itches you to kind of do that much better, you know, in the off season. Cause that's really, you know, once the training camp rolls around, there's only so much you can improve upon in four weeks, you know, but it's those, you know, five, six months that you have between, you know, December leading all the way back up to June, July, whereas really the summer hits, um, you know, to really get better. And that's where spring practice, but our guys are working now in the weight room. Um, so there really is no off season. I mean, you hear some guys say, I take a week off, you know, imagine just taking a week off and then you get right back to it, you know, and, um, you know, everyone's different in that aspect, you know, whether it's the professional collegiate level, but, um, you know, the, the drive to be successful and as a competitor is what really motivates you, you know, to get back into the office, to work that extra couple hours that, you know, maybe you didn't need to and, and whatnot. Very cool. Like it's, I, I'm kind of tired thinking about the time that you spend doing things and, so next time I say, you know what, this was a busy week, I'm kind of tired, I'm just going to say, well, Billy is on hour 143 working. I, can, I don't have much of an excuse. We, uh, we end these interviews with a little bit of a speed round going on. So we're going to, Pat and I will go back and forth. We'll ask you pretty easy questions uh, just to give whatever answer comes at the top of your head. No hemming or hawing, no playing it down the middle. Like Just make a call, take a stand. All right? Sounds good. All right. Worst job you ever held? Uh, movie theaters, picking up popcorn. Favorite movie? Uh, Wedding Crashers. What's your favorite song on your iTunes right now? Probably the one I had you play, uh, Third Eye Blind, uh, Semi Charm Life. Favorite TV show? Do you even watch TV? Do you have time to watch TV? <laughs> You know what? Uh, meet the Goldbergs. Meet the Goldbergs when I have time. <laughs> meet the Goldbergs? It's probably it's, the first and only time we're going to get that answer. Probably. Yeah. I don't yeah. watch too much TV, as you can tell. His favorite TV show is Albany football games. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's. I mean, if you're if you, all you're doing is breaking down film, or a lot of it, like you're not going to want to watch more things that are on film, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, best restaurant in Albany? Uh, 677 Prime. Favorite vacation spot? Uh, Cape May, New Jersey. What was your favorite class at Fisher? It's a class I probably struggle with the most, um, but sport finance. What was your greatest sports moment as a fan or a player? I'd say, I mean, still, you know, I still get goosebumps going back and, uh, you know, watching the games from the press box, uh, you know, covering the covering the St. John Fisher football team, um, you know, all three, my final three seasons, uh, sophomore through senior year. That's probably my still favorite. You know, obviously it wasn't a Division One experience, but being able to communicate with the guys and you know watch the game, you know, flawlessly, you know, from from the press box, I still get goosebumps about that. So probably that. I've seen the headshots of your football team. How many times a week do you get to work out? <laughs> uh, if you can squeeze in something during lunch, um, great. Other times, you know, you're not as lucky, but. Yeah, you still during the season you might be able to do three times, but that's pushing it. All right. Unless unless you're working out at four thirty in the morning. Green jacket or gold medal? Green jacket. Best coach of all time. Uh, coach Shashevsky. You already gave us your favorite song, but what's your favorite band? I'd say uh, probably Goo Goo Dolls. Your favorite commercial from the Super Bowl. I gotta say, I was disappointed there wasn't a better Clydesdale one. Um, you have like a 
some kind of affinity for Clydesdales. Yeah, I, well, I always like the you you know, meet the, the Goldbergs and the, the Clydesdales with, the, with the horses, with the horses playing it, playing a little football against each other, and then the dog in the background. Um, I like the one with the uh, the Doritos in the uh, in the operations room with the with the baby. Mm. I thought that was pretty good. What's the last book you read? I'm laughing because I'm thinking about like how little he probably has a chance to read anything. That's true. Maybe I'm reading. I'm reading thing. actually right now. Um, I'm like three quarters of the way through. Um, I'm reading a book uh, by about Bill Walsh. Um, you know, just about success. You know, and winning. So I think it's the something about the edge. The edge to success, something along those lines. So it's a pretty good book. Best team logo in sports? I'll tell you, it's not the Lions. Um, I like the Jags. I like the Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars. These answers are unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to rip me a new one later. It's okay. No. I, uh, I, I... <laughs> what is the biggest sports choke of all time? Of all time. Mm. So I'm a Mets fan, so the last, oh. 2005, 2006 years, that was pretty. I think they blew a, they blew like a five-game lead over a week. <laughs> I can, um, just the general fact that they're the Mets, like that feels like it could just be the biggest choke ever. But I got, I was my brother's a Mets fan, and he is an also a very pessimistic Mets fan, like they all are, and he. The glass was empty when they were five games up. He's like, "Oh, this is gonna, this is it, season's over." Yeah, All right. uh, I'd say I'd say probably the the Buckner one's pretty bad. That or the Patriots. How you let that David Tyree guy catch the ball at the last? That's probably right up there. And last one: if someone made a movie about your life, who would play you? Well, I'm not as filled out strength-wise, but I'd love to say Mark Wahlberg. You know, he's the guy that, you know, maybe 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he gives you everything he's got, you know, with his size and athleticism. And, you know, he's kind of one of those hard work guys, you know, and uh, you've seen that in his movies, you know, with the characters he's played, like Invincible and all that. So I'd like to say Mark Wahlberg, but... I'm glad you went with Mark Wahlberg and not some, like, random actor that we'd never heard of that would have fit in line <laughs> with, like, whatever the Goldbergs, the Jacksonville Jaguars, like, all these things. What? <laughs> I'd love to have, like, a Vince Vaughn personality. He's just way too tall for me. <laughs> Billy, thank you for hanging out with us and uh, going through this interview. Uh, it was awesome. Um, and we'll be rooting for you, Albany. You come this way at all? I know you were in Buffalo last year. You come this way anywhere? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be in Albany, or we'll be in Albany. We'll be in Buffalo again to start the season. I believe it's September third, um, first game of the season. So we'll be out that way again this fall. Cool. Well, after this little break, we'll wrap up. Uh, pick. We're going to ask uh, both Pat and Billy to uh, predict who's going to win the NBA three point contest and dunk contest on the other side. <laughs> All right, so this is NBA All-Star Weekend, just a uh, fast ferry ride away in Toronto. And uh, Saturday night is the, uh, whatever they call it, BBVA Compass, uh, whatever. Skills competition. Skills competition. There's the the Foot Locker three-point contest and and whatever they sponsor is for the dunk contest. Sprite, isn't it? Right, the Sprite dunk contest. I think so. And I feel like if you're going to have a dunk contest, it should be sponsored by some kind of caffeinated beverage, not the (laughs) only general pop or soda that is not caffeinated. It seems like an odd mix, but who am I? All right, so the three-point contest, probably of the three events, uh, will be the most interesting. Um, So we'll we'll start with that. There are a handful of contestants. I want you just to uh, give me a prediction, both Billy and Pat, on who you think is going to win. The the contestants are Steph Curry, James Harden, Clay Thompson, Chris Middleton, Kyle Lowry, J.J. Redick, Chris Bosh, trying to be the tallest three-point shooter awful, in the history of the game, awful decision. and Devin Booker. So Curry, Harden, Thompson, Middleton, Lowry, Redick, Book, Bosh, and Booker. Well, Billy, who are you going with? Well, I think uh, you know Harden and, and Curry are gonna definitely battle it out. I think it's it'll be it'll be tough to beat them. But I, I got as a Duke Blue Devil fan, I got to go with JJ Redick. <laughs> I, he's having his best year statistically, you know, shooting from the three. I think he's leading the the league right now in three point percentage. Um, so I'm gonna go with JJ surprising both of those two guys. Right. I'm gonna take Clay Thompson in this one. I think he's 
I uh, got something to prove and is sick of the spotlight that Steph gets, deservedly so, but he's going to want to show that he's a, he's a top-tier shooter as well. So I'm going with Clay. Who you got? I, I feel like the only way to make this thing fair is for Steph Curry to have to shoot behind a line that is four feet back farther from everybody else. <laughs> but like Clay should, can get hot, too. They should I mean, create some line that Steph shoots at that is 27 feet away, and that's his three-point contest. I don't know how anybody be. He's a showman. He will be just as competitive to defend his title. I, I don't know how you could go against, and I'd have to look at the odds like to see who's betting. I may throw two bucks down on Chris Bosh, which has to be <laughs> at like 80 to 1. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. How he's in a three-point contest and J.R. Smith isn't is mind-boggling to does me. Does anybody in a better contest, who does anybody lose to Chris Bosh? So clearly not Curry. Thompson or Reddick. So does Harden, Middleton, Lowry, or Booker lose to Chris Bosch? Yeah, one of those guys. I think uh, maybe Lowry's got the pressure in front of the home fans. He knows he's got to make some shots. And he's more of a mid-range guy, too. Yeah, Yeah. His skill set isn't – he's not something you consider as a spot-up three-point shooter. So, you know, it's different than, like, these guys that shoot well off the dribble, for instance. This is a, you know, grab-a-ball-and-shoot type event, so it's – it's different. We'll see. And it's not the Sprite slam dunk. It's the Verizon slam dunk. Oh, Sprite lost it? Sprite lost. Somebody oh, was like, sales, why sales the hell? Sales are down. Is, it's geez. the health kick. It's why? taking over the country. <laughs> why is Sprite on there? All right. So the, uh, the Verizon slam dunk contest, which only has four participants. I, all right. Four. This used to be the thing that people watched. This was the best component of the All-Star game and any All-Star game in American sports. And now there's four. This is rivaling the Home Run Derby. And I now mean, the, the quantity isn't the issue. It's the names you're about to read quantity. off. Right. So yeah. you t- this is like uh, the basketball equivalent of Billy Bonneau's television choice, <laughs> television show choices. If Goldberg's, I recommend it. The, all four you. Goldbergs are competing. Ken Goldberg. Is going to be on the Goldberg from the WWF is going to be on there. Right? <laughs> Mighty Ducks Goldberg. There we go. There's three. There you go. So there's Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, and Andre Drummond. Well, Will Barton's got the edge because he's the smallest guy. So all his dunks are going to look better. How Andre Drummond's going to win a dunk contest at what six foot ten? What can he possibly do that would wow the crowd? I what, did like, Dwight, what did Dwight do the one year? He brought like a higher hoop, you know, to Duncan and put the cape on. Cape on. It doesn't. He, they just don't look as good. So I'm gonna go. I'm taking Zach Levine to defend, um, but Will Barton will probably be in the finals with him. What had more name recognition, the NBA All Star Game Dunk Contest or the D League All Star Game Dunk Contest? And I don't even know who was, if they have a D League NBA. Uh, Dunk contest. Yeah, that's uh, it's unfortunate. They need to get the superstars in there. I mean, if someone will throw some money at it, they'll get them. Money talks. Well, and and it's not like I mean, you look at the MLB All Star game for the Home Run Derby. It's not like the dunk's going to ruin your swing. I mean, you got guys for the for baseball that they're afraid because it's going to ruin their swing for the second half of the season. A dunk's not going to ruin a guy like LeBron James's just shot. You know, he's still going to be able to dunk the ball. He's still going to shoot the ball. So I'd love to see a guy like him, you know, a guy like Kevin Durant, you know, get in there. I mean, Kobe did it early in his career. I mean, you do it once. I mean, guy, people are going to love you for it, you know, and it's too bad they don't have the big names in there. If, if the only thing it could possibly do is help Andre Drummond's free throw shooting, like maybe he like knocks something and back into whack and he gets himself above 33% like from the <laughs> free point. What I'd also am surprised at, and this is just – terrible sight the dunk contest is the last event so you're gonna watch all of those great shooters shoot a three-point contest wow everybody because everybody's gonna make a bunch of shots i can only imagine how many shots what is there 25 shots steph curry one of the rounds will go like 22 for 25 or some absurd number and then everybody's gonna be all fired up in toronto and then Zach Levine is going to walk out on the floor with Aaron Gordon and try to figure out like how to get anybody interested. It, it's going to be. Is there any doubt that Drake makes an appearance at the dunk contest on the floor? Oh, there's hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. He may even go out like 
He may show up dressed up as the raptor and try to jump off a trampoline. No question. See, it's I, already scripted. See, I might watch my taped version of the Goldbergs. <laughs> <laughs> Catch there, up there, on the replays. There you go. I'm watch the three-point and then just cut it off and just right there in the dunk contest, watch it on that. <laughs> you know what? I think I may watch the same thing. I may fire up the Goldbergs. I don't even know where to go for it, but that's... <laughs> I imagine I can find it on Netflix somewhere. Yeah, no, it's definitely on there. So, Billy, thanks again. Uh, Podcast 2.5 is in the can. uh, We appreciate it. Good luck kind of finding a little bit of downtime and rest. And uh, in the future, whether it's at Albany this coming season or if another opportunity comes around, but we thank you for coming in. It was great. No, thanks for having me. It's always great to be back here, and I appreciate you guys taking the time with me. Thanks, Billy. Cool. See you.